Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan women's basketball team is in the Elite Eight for the first time in program history. We bring you the latest from Wichita, Kansas. The men's season came to an end in the Sweet 16. What happened? What comes next? We discuss that. Plus, Michigan hockey team is on to the Frozen Four. That and more on Wolverine Confidential. All right, Aaron and Ryan, good to be talking with you here. Uh, late Monday morning, March 28th. Uh, Aaron and I in Ann Arbor. Ryan Zook in Wichita, Kansas, um, extending his stay thanks to the victory uh, from the Michigan women's basketball team over South Dakota the other night. And they will play tonight, Monday, 9 o'clock Eastern time, 8 o'clock there in Wichita. Ryan, I don't want you to be uh, late for the game uh, <laughs> against Louisville, the number one seed for a spot in the final four. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty to talk about, but I don't know. Give me. Give me the vibe there. What, what do you expect for tonight's game as far as the fan breakdown? Because I know there was a lot of red in the arena on Saturday, but that was for for the Coyotes. Well, did Louisville have a good presence too, though? In that first, yeah, game? it's it's. I, I expect more of the same, a more a, another red out, so to speak, for for tonight's game. And Louisville, I think, had the majority of fans there, and there was a great atmosphere for both games, including mm-hmm. that first game. Uh, obviously, Louisville was able to pull away late and beat number four seed Tennessee, seventy six to sixty four. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Louisville was up fifteen in the first half, and then it seemed like Tennessee would always make a run to get to like three, four points. Got down to two in the in the last few minutes, and then Louisville just ended the uh, game on a nice little stretch there. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be another hostile environment for for Michigan. They were able to survive it on 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 Saturday against. I mean. Honestly, I would say probably 85% South Dakota fans. Like it was, they were loud and they traveled well. And it was, uh, it was, it was a tough environment environment for Michigan, but they were able to, their defense held strong. And then Layla Philia had the, the shot of her life there in the last final seconds to the go ahead layup late and with 22 seconds remaining to, to give Michigan that 52 to 49 victory. I will admit and say I haven't watched a ton of Michigan women's basketball the last couple of years. I know Nas obviously gets all the credit and all the, the the fame and everything else, and rightfully so. She's a really good player. But I was really impressed with Fila watching her the other night. Like she could do everything. She played defense. She's a scorer. She, she can shoot from the perimeter. She was really impressive to watch. Yeah, and she's just a freshman too. She was that the kind of the crown jewel of this of this class, and and it's kind of fit in pretty seamlessly here with with a bunch of seniors. And um, she's she's enjoying the ride, and I think she's learned a lot from 
from these upperclassmen this year too. And, and she's been uh, a lot better here down the stretch and, and, and she's filled in quite a lot more since, since Leah Brown went out with an injury. And, and then now she's remained in the starting lineup with Leah coming in off the bench in her return. So she's had a couple big games late. I know she had a career high 24 points against Iowa and a win earlier this year, a game I was at and, and yeah, she has that potential and, and it showed on, on Saturday when, when Michigan needed her most early on, Michigan could get anything to fall. Nas Hillman was getting bottled up inside. Uh, no one could make an outside shot. And and they, and Philia had a nice little run there and, and had a, a couple straight baskets to, to get Michigan going. And, and it was a close game throughout. I think the largest lead in that South Dakota game was six points. So back and forth, heavyweight battle. I mean, there's people throwing hey, punch, punch, counter punch back and forth. And it was an exciting game. And, and it could be uh, another defensive battle here again tonight. Yeah, you don't expect, uh, you know, a three C especially to, to have talk about, you know, a uh, hostile environment and a road atmosphere, especially against a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. But that's what it was. And. You know, that's what it could be again tonight against a one seed. Now, you know, Michigan and Louisville, uh, as we discussed when this bracket came out, um, you know, very, very familiar with each other, played earlier this season, December 2nd, Michigan lost 70 to 48. Um, last year, they did not play as, you know, COVID kind of shrunk the non-conference schedule, but they played the year before that in the NCAA tournament. Michigan lost 71 to 50 in the second round. Uh, and they played the year before that in, you know, the preseason NIT and Michigan lost 74-49. I mean, if you're if you're thinking these scores sound pretty similar, they do. They're lopsided in favor of Louisville. Um, now, the December matchup is really the only one you can probably take too much from. Michigan shot 37% from the field, two of 15 from three, I think. But the biggest number was 24. That's how many turnovers Michigan had. Uh, and Nas Hillman only had 12 points in that game. I think our second lowest of the season. Uh, so, but the difference in that game, and one of them is that Michigan did not have Amy Dilk, you know, a senior point guard who can, you know, steady the ship and kind of run the show on offense. Uh, you know, Philia, who you're talking about, that was what her fifth, sixth college game at that point. She she did play. She was a she was a contributor, but you know, didn't didn't have the role or certainly the experience that she had now has now. So I guess Ryan, I mean, is a thought from inside the Michigan program that that game doesn't matter too much and or could maybe even help Michigan in this game. I mean, they've got to they've got to hope that's the case. Right. Yeah. No, I'm glad you you brought up Amy Dill because I mean, obviously, yesterday that was the, the the main talk of the of both teams' press conferences, and and they both kind of said like you could basically throw that game out the window. That was three months ago, mm-hmm. and and both teams have changed since then. And then I spoke with assistant coach Carrie Moore after after practice and, and she brought up Amy. So yeah, we didn't have Amy Dilk that game and she was still injured at that time. And you, they had a freshman Ari Wiggins that, at that point that, that played some nine minutes in, in the, a point guard spot and, and had three turnovers. So that, that's a tough, tough responsibility for a freshman who hasn't really played much since at all. So uh, having Amy Dilk right there, who's, who was a three-year starter now coming off the bench should, should help Michigan limit those turnovers. And, and, and overall just Michigan has, is a better team since then. I mean, mm-hmm. th- this, this group has gotten to play against each other a lot, uh, a lot more. Um, they're, they're, they're playing well here in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament. So, and Nas Hillman, that was an eye-opening experience for her. She had, she was saying yesterday, she had never, no team has ever defended her like that at, at any point in her career. I mean, they were sending help. I mean, Emily Engsler from Louisville is one of the top defensive players in the country and, and really kind of stifled Nas inside it along with Olivia Cochran. So, 
Um, I expect them to to do something similar here t- tonight, but the mission says they practiced it ever since that Louisville game completely changed their game plan um, for, for Nas moving forward. So I, I don't think Michigan's going to win tonight, but it's not going to be a blowout in my opinion. I mean, it's, Louisville's, uh, I, I will say it's the best number one seed. The mission has the best chance of beating Louisville compared to maybe the other number one seeds. Um, but I, I think they're, the road ends tonight, but I think it will be a lot closer than, than the, than the December matchup. So I actually did some research and looked at Louisville here a little bit. They're top 20 in the country in three-point shooting. That December matchup you guys are referring to, Louisville went 9 of 20 from the three-point line, including uh, Kiana Smith. She went 4 of 8. So I think the key here for Michigan, at least defensively, is going to be guarding the perimeter. If Louisville shoots well from three again, they're probably going to win and probably going to run away with it. Um, will it probably be closer? Yes. I mean, both these teams have, you got a game on paper, you can re- go back and watch a tape and Michigan will probably sure some things up. I think it's going to come down to, yes, you guys said turnovers, but Louisville's three point shooting as well. If they get hot, it's, it'll probably be a long night for the Wolverines. Michigan is a five point underdog. I see. So they're, you know, I mean, this is, this is viewed as it, it could be close. I mean, it could be competitive. Um, I think a, a big key will be, uh, yeah, Michigan shooting as well. Maddie Nolan, um, you know, just three points uh, in the South Dakota game um, has not cracked double digits um, in the postseason yet. Um, you know, that's that's now four games. Um, you know, she's she's kind of an X factor for them. Uh, you know, Michigan it does a lot of things well offensively, but, you know, shooting three isn't always a strength. I mean, they often have, you know, a couple of players out there that are not real threats. I mean, Hillman has never made one in her career. And, you know, Emily, Emily Kaiser, that's not really her strength either. So when they have both both of those bigs out there. Um, you know, Leah Brown, Danielle Roush can both are both capable outside shooters, but, you know, they prefer to do other things. Um, so Maddie Nolan, that's that's her kind of role out there is to kind of loosen up the defense and, and hit some shots. Um, you know, she's got to move without the ball and she's got to, you know, they, they've got to find her um, and, and maybe get her going early because um, that that could be that could be a key for them in this game for sure. Michigan is going to need to score more than 52 points. So they're going to have a chance tonight. That's for sure. You would think so. Um, and they just got to, you know, sustain that Louisville press. I mean, again, they were just completely overwhelmed by it in the first game and it was just turnovers galore. Um, and yeah, they've got to, they've got to play much better, you know, take care of the ball much better to, to have a chance in this game, but already you no know, program history, as we've said, you know, first elite eight ever after, you know, their first sweet 16 ever last year. Um, you know, I, I saw Kim Barnes Rico kind of doubled down on her, you know, Jim Harbaugh esque comment about, you know, being in the not being born on third base. They were they were they were in the dugout, you know. Uh I, I'm not exactly sure what she's referring to <laughs> when she says this. I mean, the the program was was in the dugout when her predecessor, Kevin Borset, took over. That's for sure. I mean, he inherited a senior class that had not won a Big Ten road game ever, you know, just, just some really poor seasons. Uh, I think four total big 10 wins in the previous three years combined. Um, he got them to the NCAA tournament. So she did inherit a program that had gone to the NCAA tournament just the year before. Um, uh, but you know, obviously they've, they've, they've gone to new heights, uh, here, but this is her, her 10th year. It's not like it's their second or third year. So I'm not, I'm not bashing, uh, what she's done. Um, I just, you know, the, there's maybe a little bit of, I don't know, revision, revisionist history going on here with the program, but, um, there's certainly, there's only, well, now there's only, uh, what, uh, you got the two final four teams, uh, you know, eight teams left or whatever, but you know, the, the fact that there was, uh, or six teams, I guess. Um, but you've got, 
yeah, to make it to the Elite Eight, they, they've done they've done more than you know any of the other programs in the Big Ten, and more than most in the country, of course. So it's a it's an incredible achievement. But you know, why not take one more step and get to the final weekend in in Minneapolis, where you'd think they'd have maybe you know can swing some of the fans back in their favor. This was this was a tough thing. Like you had the home games to start, you know, and then you know the final fours in Minneapolis, not too far. This wasn't exactly a destination location in Wichita. You kind of understand why. There wasn't quite the the fan presence there, but uh, and it's just tough to get to with a flight too. I, I right. had to take a had a layover in Minneapolis too. It's an easy one 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 half hour flight to Minneapolis, but then getting to Wichita after that is kind of a pain. And yeah. so yeah, I could definitely see why. I mean, it's a lot easier for for South Dakota fans who are a lot closer to to just bus down or drive down. So. Yeah, we'll 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 see what happens. They gotta get there first, but yeah, I would expect a lot more of a, a Michigan contingent in, in Minneapolis if they can get that far. The uh, men's team came up one game short of the Elite Eight. Uh, they lose to Villanova sixty three fifty five. This was last Thursday night. Yeah, and it's like they, I think the biggest question is like, was this a successful season? And in the end, the simple answer I think is, is yes. Um, you know, you go. Enter the NCAA tournament with a 17 and 14 record. Uh, you know your preseason top 10, and you you, you don't sniff a Big Ten title. Uh, you barely make it into the NCAA tournament. But you know, in a sport that is dominated by this event, winning a couple of games can change that narrative. And, and Michigan did that. Um, you know, beat a good Tennessee team and and hung with Villanova. You know, from from most of the game, if you know they just shoot the ball a little bit better, don't go seven of 14 from the line. You know, don't miss so many point blank shots. Um, you know, they can win this game, but you know, that, that this is what Villanova does. They went and did it to Houston, um, you know, the two nights later to get to the final four. So, uh, you know, you, you credit Villanova, but overall to get to the sweet 16, um, you know, be one of only two big 10 teams to get that far. Um, I think is, is a successful season. Is it not? I think their run is very emblematic of how deep, and we've talked about this in in the past couple of weeks, how deep the Big Ten really was top to bottom. I know everyone wants to knock the Big Ten for not getting Mm any any teams in the lead eight, and that's, you know, in the the final four in the lead eight, and that's fine. Um, And that kind of comes down, I think, matchups in a a tournament setting like this. But top to bottom, I think the Big Ten's very good, and and we saw that in in them getting nine teams in. But I think it just went to prove that any one of those teams really could have won a couple of games and, and kind of gotten to, gotten to where Michigan was. I mean, if you would have asked the average fan coming into the tournament, you know, which which Big Ten team was maybe first, most likely they could maybe get first, you know, get knocked out, Michigan probably would have been high up on that list. The fact they're able to get a couple of wins, make a run, I mean, they were a talented team. They were just never able, I think, to put together, and that was probably the story of the season. I mean, the high expectations going in, right? That you know, what were the top five ranking preseason or whatever it was? Um, you know, disappointing for, for most of the year, but putting it together at po- at points and getting some big wins and then making that run in the tournament. I think they surpri- surprised some folks and maybe made the tournament a little bit more interesting for Michigan fans who are kind of weren't sure about what, what to make of this team coming in. It made March fun. And I think that's really all you can ask for, given the, the, the way, I guess, the season, you know, the regular season played out. The now, you know, it turns to the next year and, and what kind of roster they'll have coming back. You know, they're going to lose their starting backcourt. Uh, Eli Brooks is out of eligibility. Devontae Jones had already had five years in college. It was very unlikely he's going to come back, but he made it official yesterday that he won't be. Um, and then, I mean, the other three starters could all potentially leave too. You could lose your entire starting five. Hunter Dickinson, he kind of said before the season when he when he came back that, you know, one last ride and one more year and all that. Uh, but he's not, this wasn't a contract that he signed. He could certainly stay. 
Um, Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston could test the waters. They're two guys that I think a lot of maybe Michigan fans might say, really, they're going to go to the NBA um, based on their production. But, you know, NBA drafts on potential. They're both young um, for their class, especially Caleb Houston, who, you know, skipped his final year of high school um, and, you know, could at least declare. It wouldn't surprise me. Dickinson's decision is different to me. He might never be an NBA player. So it's a question of whether he wants to begin a pro career, either in the G League or overseas now or continue uh, in college for another year or two. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what he ultimately decides. Um, you know, they've got a top 10 recruiting class coming in. Um, they've got, uh, you know, Frankie Collins and Kobe Bufkin that got, you know, meaningful playing time this year and as well as Terrence Williams. Um, but, you know, so much will hinge on, on these others' decisions. Um, you know, you, you get them all back. You really like your chances. You know, you get two, three, you know, depending one or two, like it just, it just depends. And then that'll, that'll then decide how Michigan attacks the transfer portal and, you know, yeah, kind of builds its roster for this next season. Um, another thing to watch is the assistant coaches, you know, uh, could be in line for head coaching jobs elsewhere. And, you know, Jawan Howard for the first time in his four years would maybe have to um, go out and find another uh, assistant or two. So a lot of things to look for, a lot of moving pieces. Their season is done. Uh, but the hockey teams is not. They are on to the frozen four because they beat Quinnipiac uh, on Sunday night. Kind of a wild game. I, I, I didn't watch all of it. I was watching some women's hoops. But um, yeah, just as far as like <laughs> the number of goals and when they came, um, which was kind of unique to me at least. But here they are playing for the frozen four shot in the national championship, which is kind of where we expected this team to be. But no guarantee in a single elimination tournament. Zook, yeah. before you talk, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I watched. I watched most of the game on, uh, yesterday, the hockey game, and I saw them go up four nothing. And then I flipped the TV off, and then he says, "I see Zook tweeting about them go, it being four to three. What the hell happened?" <laughs> well, that's what happens when you become complacent and try and sit on a lead come March. I mean, Quinnipiac made a goalie change to start the third period, had a lot of jump from the start, and, and once you get one, sometimes that's that's all you need to get things going. And, and sure enough, that that definitely jump-started them. They controlled play throughout the third period. And, yeah, I mean, they made it four to three with about nine minutes left and then had a power play right after with a, a potential to tie. But, the, I mean, a very – a huge coaching gaffe, in my opinion, for, for the Twin Ipiac coach to, to pull the goalie with just under four minutes left. I mean, you have all the momentum. You're generating offense five on five. There's no need to pull the goalie that early. And of course, that comes back to, to bite them in the butt. Um, and, and Michigan scores two empty netters, and then and then they get another goal to make it seven to three. And then Quinnipiac scores in the last final seconds too for seven to four. So I think what that seven goals in, in the third period and for for a quite eventful third. But yeah, Michigan survives and they're headed to their pro or NCAA record twenty sixth Frozen Four. And they will play Denver in Boston. Yes, that's a fellow one seed. Fellow one seed, and yeah, it's the location where where Michigan won their last uh, national championship back in 1998. But uh, we'll have plenty of time to dive into this matchup more, considering that it's not until April 7th. But yeah, Denver's a tough matchup. They 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 play in the toughest conference in the in the country. Uh, they have they're the the leading scoring team in the country. They have the Hobie Baker Award leader, the leading scorer in the country, and Bobby Brink. So it's turned it's turned be a, it's turned be a good game. I'm excited for it. And yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. It's a lot of chalk 
surprisingly made it through to this frozen four. It's a uh, Minnesota state, a one seed and Minnesota, a two seed in the other matchup. So it's, I mean, it's a great frozen four. I mean, a lot of blue bloods in, in, in this, uh, in this event. So it, it should be a, uh, should be a pretty good event. And I'm expecting two really good games. All right. Well, I think that brings folks up to speed uh, on Michigan athletics. A spring game for football is this Saturday. What's the time on that one? Uh, noon, yeah, noon. Well, the game, I guess, technically starts at noon. Gates to Michigan Stadium open at 11 a.m. The team will take the field at 1130. Okay. Uh, game will be broadcast on Big Ten Network for those of you that uh, they can't make it. Rumor has it there's supposed to be 111,000 people in attendance. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about <laughs> that one. <laughs> I don't think I'll be one of them. So there's that. Uh, but all right, we've got Michigan women's basketball, nine o'clock Eastern time ESPN tonight against Louisville. That's the next thing. Yeah. You, you got to watch if you're a Michigan fan, the trip to the final four on the line. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wolverine confidential. 